Bennett, and welcome to this week's Hashtag for Paris podcast. It is wonderful that you could join us for this week's teaching. I'll explain a little bit more about who we are at the end, but for now, let's jump right in. So you're likely probably wondering, what is the deal with the gas can, with the fuel can? Um, so I'm no expert when it comes to vehicles, but I know this. If I want my cars to run, I need fuel in their tank. That I can want my car to drive and I want to go many places and do many things, but without fuel, it's just going to stay put. So you probably didn't start watching this because you wanted some tips on fuel and the importance of them in cars. We get that. But what I hope is that this begins to provide a bit of an image, a bit of a, a mental picture for us when it comes to generosity. Let me ask you a question. What is it in your life that fuels your generosity? Because I, I'm sure for all of us, we, we all want to be generous. I, 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 mean, I mean, nobody wants to be Scrooge or the Grinch. Listen, I, I apologize if Christmas references are a little bit too early, but we all want to be generous. And, and sometimes we may lament the fact that we're not as generous as we'd want to be. And so back to the question, what is it that fuels your generosity? I think sometimes our generosity is fueled by the needs that we see. We, we see someone in need or we see a specific need and we want to give. That's why we give to things like the food bank or we give to the Red Cross or, or we see disasters around the world and, and we want to give and we want to help. We want to be generous. Other times we may give because we are fueled by our emotions, both positively and negatively. I mean, let's be honest. We, we can be generous because it makes us feel good. Like when we give and when we help, we we feel better about ourselves, and that's a good thing. On the flip side, sometimes we may give because we feel guilty. We think, I have so much, others have so little, I most certainly should give. But is that the baseline? I mean, is there something more? Does, does our generosity get reduced to what I would refer to as situational giving? That, that we give or we are generous based upon how we feel or based upon a need before us? Or is there something greater? If you've been with us this fall, we have been working through a series called Essentials, and it's a series that has been looking at what are some of the key essentials when it comes to being a follower of Jesus? What, what, what are the essentials for us to believe? What are the essentials for us to behave? And we've gone back and begun to look at the early church, this, this period of time, this pivotal time, that following Jesus' death and then resurrection, these, these disciples began to carry the movement of Jesus. And it's here that we begin to see some of the essentials for them to hopefully act as a reminder for us. And today, I want to look at how giving, how generosity is essential. That, that if you begin to look at the early church, you see how incredibly generous these individuals were. And so what was it? What, what was it that fueled their generosity? Was it just how it made them feel? Was it, was it just the situations before them? Or was there something greater going on? Well, to help us un unpack it here today and, and, and hopefully become more meaningful for us as well, regardless of where you land when it comes to faith, I want to turn to a portion of the Bible in the New Testament the book of 2 Corinthians. Now, if you're not familiar with the Bible, the, the last half of the Bible, the, the, the New Testament, begins by, by talking about Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection, his ministry. And then the last part of it deals with the movement of the early church. And what we see a lot in the New Testament are these small little letters or books that are given. 
And essentially, it's written by leaders of the early church inspired by God to address these growing Christian communities around issues, around questions, around, around problems that they are dealing with. And so today, we're going to look at a portion of one of those letters in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Now, the, the background to this is there is a severe famine in Jerusalem. So the very beginning of where the Jesus movement began, things are not going well. And so the Apostle Paul, one of the great leaders of the early church, is basically um, going to other Christian communities and, and is asking them, will you give, will you be generous to these fellow brothers and sisters that are struggling in Jerusalem? And what I like about this particular section of this letter is the context. Because Paul is dealing with some of the barriers at times to generosity. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I think about generosity, I don't only think about what fuels my generosity, but, but what are some of the barriers that I need to step beyond? I mean, sometimes it's the barriers of personal circumstances. Sometimes it's the barriers of, of the difficulties that I am facing in life. So sometimes the barriers are just wondering, will I have enough? Like if I, if I give this away, will I have enough for me? Sometimes it's the barriers of like, listen, I, I just don't want to make the sacrifice. I, I kind of like the things I have and I want to get more. And so if I am generous, will that mean there is less for me? That's why I find these words of the Apostle Paul so helpful, not just simply for the content, but for the tone as well. And so let's, let's jump into what Paul has to say understand the context, and then start to unpack it so that we have a better understanding of, of how can we step beyond just situational generosity, being generous just because of the need we see or how it makes us feel, and, and begin to see it as all-encompassing for all of life. So we're going to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, beginning with verse 1. And, and this is what Paul says to all of us. He says, Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor, but they're also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. They did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift of the believers in Jerusalem. They did even more than we had hoped, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. So we have urged Titus, who encouraged your giving in the first place, to return to you and encourage you to finish this ministry of giving. Since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to also excel in the gracious act of giving. I'm not commanding you to do this, but I'm testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. You see, the circumstance is this, is that Paul is writing a letter to the Christians in Corinth, reminding them of, 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 of how they had promised to be generous, how they wanted to be generous, but they failed to act upon the words they spoke. And so what Paul is doing is, is he's encouraging them through the example of the Macedonian churches, a, a group of churches that the circumstances are rather interesting, that we're told that they were facing severe trials, they were poor, 
yet they welled up in great joy and they were rich in generosity. I, I love how Paul says over and over again that they gave exceedingly more than even he had expected, that they actually begged to be even more generous. They wanted to continue to give, to continue to give, to continue to give. And so what was it? What was it that fueled the Macedonian churches that, that even beyond their own circumstances, even in a situation where it seemed as if they couldn't give, they were incredibly generous? What was it? Two key phrases that begin to help us unpack what their fuel for generosity was. The first one is when Paul begins, he says, I want to talk to you about the grace that God has given and then he says, towards the middle, their first action was to give themselves to the Lord. I believe the Macedonian churches excelled in generosity, were able to step beyond just situational giving because their fuel for generosity was not just the need, was not just simply how they felt. It was fueled by their faith. It was the grace that God had given them. You see, for the Macedonians, for, for these early Christians, their generosity was fueled as a response to what God had done for them. Did it make them feel good? Absolutely. It says they welled up in joy. Did they see the need? Most certainly. But at the end of the day, they were able to step beyond and give amazingly and graciously and generously because their generosity was fueled by their faith. They were able to give in an incredible way. As you start to think about generosity in the Bible, you begin to see that the generosity is, is not just about recognizing a need. It's not just about how it makes us feel, but it can become an act of worship. And maybe you've been at a church and you, you've seen them take up the offering or they talk about giving and you think, okay, yeah, it's going to help people in need and yeah, it's going to run the ministries of the church, but you don't really think it beyond that. Have you ever considered of how our giving becomes an act of worship? If you jump back into the Old Testament, I'm not sure how familiar you were, but when people would give to the temple, the gifts would be used for three primary things. The first is a portion would be used to help people in need. That makes sense. Another portion was given to the priest because they didn't have land. They, they had no means of income, so it supported the ministry that they were doing. Okay, and get behind that. But then the portion was taken, and oftentimes the best portion was taken, and they burnt it on the altar. Totally consumed it. Like, a modern-day context is, imagine the gift that you give to the church. A portion goes to help people in need. A portion goes to support the ministries of the church. And then I just kind of gathered up the offerings, and I put them in a big can, and I dumped gasoline on it, and I just torched the place. Like, what, what would you think? You'd be like, what, what is this guy doing? Like, I didn't give you the money so that you could burn it. Like, it, it could have been used to help other people in need. But take a step back. And begin to understand that this was an act of worship. That, that there's this phrase that they use that, that when they would burn the offerings, it was like a fragrant aroma going up into the heavens. It speaks to the fact that generosity ultimately steps beyond just the need. Steps beyond just how it makes us feel and becomes an act of worship. 
I, I love how the Christians in Macedonia says they gave first to the Lord. It wasn't they gave first to the people in Jerusalem. They, they recognized that their gift was a means to give first to God. You know what happens? When we allow our generosity to be fueled by more than just how it makes us feel, or by, by more than just the needs we see, it will exceed expectations. That's exactly what began to happen for the Christians in Macedonia. Paul ends this, this comment by saying this. He says, For you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty you could make, he could make you rich. Generosity, I believe, ultimately if we want to get beyond situational giving, has to flow out of this belief that, that our generosity is fueled by the grace of God, that our generosity is an act of worship, that, that, that it becomes a response to what Jesus has done and forgiven to us. Because I'm, I'm sure you know this, God doesn't need our stuff. He wants our hearts. And the problem is that if we just simply give to situations or how it makes us feel, we may give, but God doesn't capture our heart. But I love the tone of this letter because Paul at the very end reminds him, listen, I am not commanding you. Paul has taken the guilt card right out. He's like, this isn't about me making you feel guilty. And sometimes maybe you've been in a church and you're like, okay, I'm going to give because I feel guilty. I don't really want to. And Paul's like, I'm not commanding you. I'm just reminding you that, that here's an opportunity to show your love for Jesus. You see, when our generosity is fueled by grace, when it's, when it's fueled by a response given to God, our generosity begins to exceed our expectations. We'll, we'll begin to give in a way that, that, that we would have never expected or even thought possible at the beginning. But it also becomes a lifestyle. That, that suddenly when we become generous because of the grace that God has given us, it, it becomes more than just what we give financially. It's, are we generous with our time? Are, are, are we generous with our attitude? Are, are we generous towards people when it comes to forgiveness. Listen, there's, there's many reasons why we give. We may see a need and we want to give, and that's amazing. We may give because of how it makes us feel, both good or bad, and that also can be positive. But if we truly want to excel in the grace of giving, if, if generosity wants to become more of who we are and not just simply something we do, it needs to be fueled by the grace of God, by, by recognizing first and foremost what Jesus has done for you and what Jesus has done for me. Because when we do this, it begins to have an impact, not just only on us, but on others as well. As we jump further down this letter in chapter 9, this is what Paul says. He says, this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. What, what Paul is saying is that, is that when we step beyond and when we allow the grace of God to fuel our generosity, it, it's absolutely going to help those in need, but it's going to create something even greater. 
And that is an opportunity for people to express their thanks to God. Let me ask you, do people notice generosity in your life? As a church, when we talk about being for Paris, it's, it's about wanting to be generous. It's about wanting to use our stuff. It's about wanting to use our time. It's about wanting to use our resources for the benefit of others, not simply because of the needs we see, not, not just simply because of how it makes us feel, but because it is an act of grace and worship, that, that we see what we have as an opportunity to give because of what God has given to us in Jesus. So how do we respond? Maybe for some of you, it's a place today to recognize the incredible gift that Jesus has given to you and to begin to accept this gift and to live out of this gift and, and to realize this, this gift goes beyond our understanding. And then from there, we begin to see everything that we do as a response to Jesus and the grace that he has given us. The second thing is let us be intentional about it. You see, Paul wrote this letter because the Corinthians wanted to be generous, but they failed to be generous. They, they spoke about it, but they didn't act upon it. Sometimes we can do the same. I know sometimes I can do the same. I can allow my own present circumstances to weigh down my desire to be generous. And, and one of the ways that I cultivate generosity is that I am intentional about it. That, that I step beyond just the situation. I step beyond just how it makes me feel or the needs I see. I see it as an act of worship. And so in the very same way that I, I want to pray regularly and I want to read my Bible regularly and I, I want to come to, to church and worship with others regularly, I want to give regularly as well in a generous, sacrificial manner so that my giving becomes an act of worship. What about you? What, what intentional step can you take today that you can be generous? Perhaps it begins by looking to Jesus and seeing how even though he was rich, he became poor for your sake. That our response is always in recognizing what Jesus has done for us. And then we give as an act of worship. Listen. When you're generous, you not only will benefit people, it will not only make you feel good, but people will see what you're doing and it will make them wonder more about who God is in your life. And that's a position we want to be in. This week, think about what fuels your generosity and how can faith begin to influence all that you do. Let me pray. So gracious God, we give you thanks for this day. We give you thanks for examples like the churches in Macedonia thousands of years ago, that even though they were in difficult times, facing challenges, they were still incredibly generous. May we be the same. God, may we look at our lives as an off opportunity to, to give back to you. May, may we see the needs in our community and be generous. But may our generosity ultimately be fueled by the grace that you have given to us. 
For we ask it, Jesus, in your name. Amen. So now may the Lord bless you and keep you. Now may the Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious toward you. Now may the Lord look to you always and grant you his peace and his grace. Today and in all of your tomorrows. Amen. today. We hope that you were encouraged by what you just heard. Just so you know a little bit more about who we are, hashtag for Paris, our church is about creating a culture that shows people that we are for them and for our local community. Jesus invites us to experience a meaningful life with him and others. So we meet every Sunday morning in person at the Paris Presbyterian Church at 1030 a.m. and throughout the week in various home groups and pubs here in Paris. It is here that we experience authentic relationships and we grow deep in our faith journeys together. If you would like to connect with us further, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And it is here that you can find links to any of our other audio and video podcasts, sermons, and you can track with what's happening with us each month. Please go straight to our website for more information now about our home groups and how you can get involved. Our website is parispresb.ca. Yes, that's right, parispresb, P-R-E-S-B dot C-A. And it's there that you can share our links with your friends, family, and neighbors. Uh, we have friends from around the world who connect in with us online on a regular basis. And so lastly, please feel free to email me and get connected directly. I would love to chat with you. My email is leah at parispres.ca, and I'll get back, right back to you. So that's all we have for now. Thanks again for joining, and we'll see you again next week. Bye for now, everyone.